Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening from. This is JP, and welcome to the John Paul Music UK podcast. This podcast is sponsored by our friends over at DistroKid. DistroKid is a music distribution company where you give your songs to them, and they push it out to all the music sites and online streaming sites around the world. Places like Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, Deezer, Pandora, Tidal, and even social media sites. Instead of charging you per release, DistroKid charge one price per year and you can release as much music as you want, starting at $19.99. And with a link that's in the show notes, you can get 7% of your first annual membership with DistroKid. So click the link and start distributing your music today. Thank you very much to DistroKid for sponsoring this podcast. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to be actually talking about how to choose your looper. If you're familiar with my YouTube channel and also this podcast, we talk about looping which is live looping using either a pedal, using a tabletop looper, a computer, or an app. Looping is the act of recording yourself live and then repeating that process live in the moment, and you can build up a choir, you could build up a drum kit, you could build up loads of different elements of a song and then make an entire track out of it live in front of an audience, or of course recorded via video to put onto places like YouTube. Now, I've been looping for over 18 years, and I've been using lots of different paddles. I've used lots of different apps. So I think I've got a little bit of knowledge about this, and I kind of just want to give that knowledge out to you guys. So loopers, loop pedals, looping, looping apps. (laughs) There's loads out there, and it basically just turns around to a couple of different things and a couple of different choices. Most musicians look at loopers in a couple of different ways. The first way is the obvious one, which is a performance tool. Layering multiple versions of yourself, whether that's your instrument, your voice, your keyboard, your drums, whatever you're doing, it becomes a completely unique kind of performance skill, and it's all down to timing. Now, most live musicians, if you're playing an instrument or if you're singing, look at pedals or some kind of loop station, as it were. So the obvious one is the company called Boss, which is Boss Pedals. They exploded into the scene in 2011 with a loop paddle, and they have now got lots of different loop pedals. And if you're familiar with my YouTube channel, you'll know that I use the Boss Pedals now as my main paddle. I use the Boss RC600 loop station, which is six tracks. You might not want six tracks. Also, a loop paddle is daunting. You look at it and kind of go, well, how do I use this? How do I go from one track to another? And you suddenly realize that timing is everything. Over the past couple of years, the other way to look at it is apps. With iOS and Android, there are a plethora of apps out there. And I still think that the iOS platform has the best looping apps. So if you're looping on something like an iPhone or an iPad, you've got apps like Quantily Pro, Loopy HD, L7 Looper by AudioKit, Loopy Pro, and lots of others out there. The great thing about the apps is that you don't have to buy a piece of hardware if you've already got an iPhone or an iPad. And these apps can range in price, but they are no way near as expensive as a hardware looper. The other thing as well, of course, is it's all about touch. So you can actually touch the screen to start looping. And you can even get Bluetooth pedals now where you can connect it via Bluetooth so there's no wires. And you press the button on the pedal and then it will start the loop on the app. One of the most innovative apps at the moment is Loopy Pro mainly because it's a little bit like a blank page and you can create the loop style that you want, whether it's traditional style looping, whether you're mixing it with effects and you can build the looper on the page as it were, like a, think of it like a blank A4 piece of paper and you can design the looper how you want. However, if you then want to take this out on stage, 
then what you need is more equipment. You start to realize very quickly with a looper that's on iOS or iPad, you're going to need to plug in. You're going to need headphones. You're going to need a microphone. So you, therefore, you're going to need a microphone that plugs in directly. But then how do you get that out to the speakers if you're going to go to a PA or live on stage? So now you need an audio interface. Then if you want to control any of the other apps on your iPad, like keyboards or synthesizers or effects, you may need additional controllers. It's not a downside, but it is something to consider that if you're using, say, an iPhone or an iPad or an Android device, you're going to need a USB hub to plug everything in and you've got more wires, it can get a little bit more complicated. But the upside is that the initial outlay has already been done. You've already purchased your phone or your tablet and then you just need a couple of bits to get it into a pro level. Let's move back to hardware loopers. Now there's a big section of loopers where loopers seem to be bundled in with guitar effects. If you get a multi-effects processor for your guitar, you normally find now that there's a little mini looper built into the effects processor just as a bit of an add-on. The alternative for a guitarist for a looper is a tape delay, and you can obviously layer things on a tape delay just like a looper. With a tape delay, of course, you have a little bit of a constraint. With that, it's not the same as overdubbing and then taking those overdubs away. It's more like a single effect. However, that loop effect that's on your multiprocessor might be all you need to satisfy your needs. But should you go into hardware loopers, there's two more choices to make. What are you looping? Now, it sounds pretty obvious that if you're playing guitar, you buy a looper, then most people want to loop their guitar. I actually live loop both my guitar and also my voice. And I'm a little bit different. I play rhythm guitar, and a lot of people who play guitar want to loop a bass line with the guitar. I actually loop my voice, and I have an effect on my voice that takes it an octave down to turn it into a bass sound. And I sing my bass lines. And that leads me nicely into effects. When you start looping, be it your voice, a guitar, a synthesizer, you suddenly realize very quickly that the frequencies of all these different instruments are pretty much the same. So to get a good dynamic range, what you then tend to do is then maybe change the effect of your guitar or maybe change the effect of your voice. So you've got something on the low end, you've got something in the high end, and it just gives a little bit more dynamic range to the song. The other thing with looping is once you've looped a chord sequence, some loopers, you can't change that. Now there's some cool techniques. Let's just say you loop the verse and there's four chords and then you get to the chorus. You could play the chorus manually, turn off the chords that you've looped on the verse and then play the verse again when you get back to the verse. And this is okay for a one track looper, one phrase looper. They used to be called one phrase loopers. A lot of people now call them one track loopers. And it means it's recording one thing. You can record multiple things on top, of course. You can record multiple instruments onto a one phrase looper, but it's one phrase and you can't split those phrases up. So I'll give you an example. If you're going to record a bass line, your guitar and your vocal harmonies, they would all be on top of each other. You can't split them up. Enter multi-phrase loopers. Multi-phrase loopers are where you've got more than one phrase. So you can see two-track loopers. I'll give you an example of that, like the Boss RC500 or the RC30, as opposed to things like the Circle Looper or the Boss RC5 or RC3, which is a one-phrase looper. Then sticking with Boss, for example, you've got the Boss RC300, which is three tracks. You've got the Headrush Looper Board, which is four tracks. And you've got things like the Boss RC505 Marks 1 and 2, which are five tracks, and they're tabletop loopers. And the RC202 is two tracks. The list goes on and on and on. Now, once you learn to loop and you learn timing for looping, all you're doing is duplicating that process on different tracks. And that seems simple enough. But then comes another decision. How are you going to loop? 
some loop artists actually split things up into different phrases. So, for example, all the bass lines are on track one, or the guitars are on track two, or the harmonies are on track three, if, of course, you're using a three-track looper. Whereas some artists split things up across the loops. So maybe the kick drum is on track one, the hi-hat is on track two, and the snare is on track three, whilst you're also putting a different bass line, a different harmony, and when everything is playing together, then you can hear the whole kit. But as you're playing the verse, maybe it doesn't have the kick drum in it. This is what I refer to as split multi-looping, or split phrase looping. So if you think about the song, maybe the chorus is the loop, and you're recording everything, when you're playing everything together, and you're playing all three loops on a three-phrase looper, then it sounds like a full band at that point. But then as you take certain loops away, it's taking certain elements away, like parts of the band aren't playing. The other way to loop with a multi-phrase looper is what's called single mode. And what that means is that you're recording a verse, a bridge, and a chorus. Or a verse, and a chorus, and a bridge. Or an intro, a verse, and a chorus. Whatever you want. Again, I'm using a three-phrase looper as an example. If you've got a six-phrase looper like the RC600, then technically you've got six parts you can play with. So as you record into one phrase, and then you record the second phrase, the first phrase stops. This is where you'd step up from a single-phrase looper because you can record different chord structures or different parts of the song. Again, the question is asked of what do you want to record? And when I mean what do you want to record, I mean what parts do you want to record and have it looped, and what parts do you want to play yourself? Now, one of the dangers of looping is that you spend three or four minutes recording every part that you need live before you've even sung the first verse. This is when we need to look at structure. As loop artists, we do run into this danger. We want to record everything down so it's all set, almost like a backing track, and then we play over the top of the backing track so it becomes easier to perform. But the real downside with this, as you've probably guessed, is that listening to the same beat for three minutes whilst I record down a bass line and harmonies can get pretty boring. Certainly in a live environment, if you're in a venue, a pub, a club, a cafe, you could lose the audience. Certainly if they're there on a night out and they want to dance and want to boogie and start singing along with the song and you actually haven't completed all the loops that you need yet. So you can do two things. You could structure the song in such a way where you actually put a little bit down, you start singing the verse and chorus to get everyone going, and then you don't sing the chorus straight away, you actually put a little bit more down, and then you sing the chorus. And you can actually break away from the traditional structure of the song. It gets all the loops in over time, and it gives it a unique performance, but it's not as traditional as maybe the cover you're playing or the original song on your album. Alternatively, you can use it a little bit like a backing track. So at home, what you could do is you could actually pre-record the loops and save them. Most loopers now will actually save your loops into different memories. For example, the boss range has 99 memories, the circle looper has 40 memories, so you can save them, each memory could be a song. Whilst this is very, very useful, and of course you can get to your loops quicker, you may feel a little bit like you're just playing towards a backing track. I would say experiment with this. A good friend of mine who is a loop artist actually uses both. So when he plays in a local pub and he's predominantly playing covers, his first set is done where he plays everything uh, live. He actually records and loops everything live in the moment. But the second set, he's actually got saved as memories because everyone just wants to get up and dance and he doesn't want to waste time building all the loops. Of course, if you're at a sit-down gig and people have paid tickets to see you build the loops and they are fascinated by that, then you might not want to have pre-recorded loops. So the next thing I want to talk about is actually the step before you start looping, which is plugging in and out. 
I said it before, what do you want to loop? If you're looking at looping a vocal and a guitar and a keyboard and a bass, like a real electric bass or a synthesized bass, you might need multiple inputs. So if you pick up something like the Boss RC5, which has got a left and a right input, you might need a mixer to go before that if you're only using a one-phrase looper, or you might want to pick up a multi-phrase looper that's got more inputs. Something like the Headrush Looper Board has four combi jacks. The RC600 has two microphone inputs and four jack inputs. An app like Loopy HD or Loopy Pro, well, that depends on what audio interface you've got. When we're looking at looping and structuring loops, you might actually have something plugged in that you're not going to loop, but you want the effects from that looper because some loopers come with effects. And then when we talk about the output, you need to obviously find out which way you're going to route it. If you've got an electric guitar that you want to loop, but then you want that going out to an amp as opposed to the main PA, you might want to have a different output for that than your vocals. And then the other question about looping is where in the signal chain is the looper? Now, for me, the looper is the last thing because I want everything going in. I've got quite a simple setup, to be fair, because all I've got is a vocal and I've got two guitars, which are both acoustic. They go into the looper, I record and play, and then the looper goes out to the main PA. However, if you're an electric guitarist, for example, you've got loads of effects. You might not want all those effects looped. You might want to bypass some of them. Or you want the loop to be affected. So you actually want the loop at the beginning of the chain and record the dry signal in and then affect the loop with maybe delays, distortion, all that good stuff. The final thing about selecting a looper is actually your own performance. Do you want it to be at your feet? Do you want to control the loop with your hands? And those are the two fundamental parts. Now, you can still do both with the same looper. So let me explain. With the loop padlets on the floor, some of the most modern loopers now incorporate things like MIDI, or they have external expression or external control. So even with the RC5, which is a one-phrase looper, that has MIDI by TRS jack, and you could have a volume control, or you could have maybe a hand control that you wanted to start and stop the loop with. So you could incorporate another pedal, you could incorporate something with Bluetooth, you could incorporate something that is a controller via your hands, and you can switch that round the other way. So the RC505 or the RC202 actually has foot switch control. So you can actually have a foot switch on the floor if you're playing guitar, but you still want to use a tabletop looper. In the same vein for iOS or Android apps, it's whether you want to touch the screen or whether you think you might miss it because it's too small. Then you might want to use a controller in the form of a Bluetooth controller or a MIDI controller, whether that's on the table or on the floor. The final looper I want to talk about is actually computer. And of course, there's other loopers out there that are now available on both PC and Mac. For the biggest one that people use is Ableton. There is a looper built into Ableton, and Ableton itself is kind of like a multi-clip looper. A while ago, I used it live for an outfit that I was part of, which was called the Black Bag Project. There's some tracks out there. Go and find them. Imagine if Linkin Park and Prodigy had a baby. And yes, it's me singing with my mate Chris. But I used Ableton with a keyboard, and I just had a simple clip command where it would just go to the next clip. Again, part backing track, part live. But people use Ableton because it's got a built-in effects as well as a looper, and you can obviously control that really, really well and also mix it live. But that also means bringing a laptop on stage. If you're a guitarist and you just want a simple looper, you might not want to bring your very expensive laptop on stage to a local pub. So with floor pedal loopers, tabletop loopers, loopers for an iPad or Android, loopers on a computer, 
how on earth are you going to decide? If you're just dipping your toe into looping, what I would suggest is don't change your performance. What I mean by that is don't change your entire rig because of a loop pedal. If you're just wanting to add a looper as a creation tool, maybe just to figure out harmonies or figure out whether a chord structure works, then all you need to do is add that to your arsenal. It could just be a simple looper, like a one-phrase looper, or it could just be an app. If, however, you want to go down the full beatboxing, Swizz Beats, and we're going to be seeing you as the next beatbox champion, or you're going to be the next Ed Sheeran, then looping is going to be at the center of everything you do. What I would suggest is the following. Get a piece of paper and a pen, or use a simple app like Notes with an Apple Pencil. Now, with that piece of paper and pen or app, draw out your rig. Draw out what you've got. Draw out your instruments. Draw out the pedals you've got already, or the stuff you've got already, the keyboards, your mixer, and where everything plugs into. And then finally, where it goes out of, whether it's going to speakers, or it's going to a PA, or a sound engineer, whatever. Now, before you add a looper, just have a look at it. What do you want to loop and where do you want to loop it to? Sometimes it's good to just step back and go, right, I do want to plug in my vocal and also my guitar into a looper. So therefore, certain loopers are not going to be adequate for what I need. Either they haven't got the right connections or I actually want to loop two things independently. So therefore, I do need a multi-phrase looper. Now, the last part of this little episode is actually about want, not need. With everything I've just said, you may just want to go for the greatest, latest, shiny thing. And that's absolutely fine. If you've got the budget and you've got the money to spend on creating Darth Vader's panel with an iPad and an APC-40 Mark II with an 18-in, 20-hour audio interface, go for it. If you want an RC600 floor pedal married with an RC505 Mark II tabletop and they've got 11 loops to play with, go for it. But before you dive into spending hundreds, if not thousands of pounds into looping, all I would suggest is have a look at what you're currently doing and how you want to make that performance a looping performance or how looping can embellish or enhance that performance. Looping for me is a fantastic tool, both for creation and figuring things out, but also just sheer performance, giving the audience a wow factor or maybe a what's he doing factor, which sometimes happens. And the looping community is one of the most friendliest communities I've ever come across. If you've already got a looping app or a loop paddle or a tabletop looper, or if you've got one on order, you'll probably find that there's some kind of community or group, whether it's on Facebook or on Reddit, that are already there discovering things, maybe finding things out, maybe troubleshooting, and they are all lovely. I think the looping community is one of the strongest communities. Yes, I'm biased, but I also think that everyone wants to help each other out. So go and find a community for your looper, whether that's a software looper, a tabletop or a floor battle, or if it's just Ableton, go and have a look at the looping side of the community, not just the Ableton bit, but dive even deeper in, double niche down and just actually have a look there. So with all that being said, if you've got your finger hovering over the checkout on a looper that you think you might want, I hope this has given you a little bit of insight and that it's helped you make your decision. Now, if you want to get a little bit more out of looping, what you can do is you can actually get my PDF for loop artists. It's a PDF I've put together of some tips and tricks, no matter which looper you're using. And yes, it's completely free. All you need to do is go to my website, which is johnpaulmusic.co.uk. And as you scroll down right at the bottom there, you'll see get JP's looping tips PDF. Pop in your email address and I'll send you the PDF straight away. On that email, I'll also send you an invite to my looping community. The idea behind me setting up a looping community is just so we can talk to each other and help each other. 
If all the social media is turned off tomorrow, then my Leaping community would still be there. If you have found value out of this podcast, then please give it a review. If you have just found this podcast, then there are a couple of episodes all about looping, and I interview a couple of different loop artists around the world and how they do it. So if you want to get a little bit nerdy and double down on your looping expertise, then please have a listen to the previous episodes, as there's some real golden tips in there from different loopers around the world. Finally, I'd just like to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this podcast. If you are making music and you want to get your music out there, then you need a music distributor. You give your songs to DistroKid and they push it out to all the online stores and digital streaming sites around the world, of which there are over 160 now. And they include social media, places like Facebook, Instagram, and even TikTok. So as you're making your Instagram reels, for example, you can actually link your music to that reel and promote your own music. For one price per year, which starts at $19.99, with the link that's in the show notes, you can get 7% off your first annual membership. So thank you very much to DistroKid for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to speaking to you on the next episode.